Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 128, Finding a Narrator for Your Audiobook, an interview with Katherine Gaffney, coming to you on Thursday, February 21st, 2019. If you're listening every week, you're probably thinking, wait, didn't didn't we do Katherine Gaffney last week? No, last week we did Sean Gaffney. <laughs> So Sean and Catherine are this fabulous couple who have both been in the entertainment industry for quite a long time, a few decades, and um, not that they're very old, <laughs> but they've been doing this for a really long time, and um, they both have different kinds of um qualities and specialties that they bring to sharing with an audience of authors. So last week, Sean talked to us about the five-part story. We talked about story structure in pretty much every medium, including talking about uh, um, Avengers Infinity War. Yay! That was always so fun. Talk about superhero movies. (laughs) Uh, And Catherine is an actress and voiceover artist. So she and I just spent the last lovely hour um, talking about um, audiobook narration, how to find the right narrator, how to work with a narrator. And we had a couple of what I thought at the end were really great aha moments about, okay, this is how we can have a peaceful, happy, and synergistic relationship between the self-published author and the audiobook narrator who's being hired and paid directly by the author. Um, There have been lots of um, kind of group fighting between these two groups, kind of an us versus them mentality that's always bothered me. It bothers me whenever I see it in any kind of group that I'm in. I always want to bring people together. So hopefully this interview with Catherine, the two of us were able to help you and um, and the narrators that you may work with in the future to have a much more peaceful and uh, I love this word, synergistic relationship. I think that this is going to be a very helpful interview for you if you're at all interested in getting more of your books made into audiobooks or to get your first audiobook made. Um, If there's any more information that you're like, oh, I wish I had this question answered and that question answered, Catherine, just right off the top of her head, we didn't even talk about it, said, hey, you know, you guys, if you have more questions, just send in all your questions and then we'll do a question and answer interview later. And she might even be able to get more narrators to come on and and work with us on that. So if you do end up with questions that aren't getting answered, please send them to me. Uh, You can leave a message on uh, the episode number 128 at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a message there. Uh, or you can tweet me at Kitty Buholtz. Everything is either Right Now Workshop or Kitty Buholtz in my life. So my Twitter handle is at Kitty Buholtz. And you can uh, tweet me there or send me a, a direct message there. I would love to do that. It just sounds like so much fun. And then we can answer all the questions that you actually have. So send them in. In the meantime, listen to Catherine and give some thought to how this will apply to you and your books. And if you happen to be writing something that has a uh, quirky, uh, maybe romantic uh, kind of feel to it, maybe a little bit of sarcastic humor, consider whether or not Catherine should be your audiobook narrator. Okay, here we go. Enjoy the interview. Today's guest is Catherine Gaffney. Originally from the San Francisco Bay Area, Catherine obtained her BA in theater from San Francisco State University, marking the beginning of a 30-plus year career as a professional actress and voiceover artist. Combining her strong character work with her voiceover training, she discovered audiobook narration while living in Los Angeles, working with the phenomenal Dayan Audio team. Catherine recently earned her Master of Fine Arts degree in acting and directing from Regent University. Keep your eye out for her as the dastardly Mrs. Fogg in the hilarious comedy feature film, Can I Get a Witness Protection, now available on Amazon Prime. A proud member of SAG-AFTRA, Catherine is thrilled to now be in the bluegrass region, helping to tell stories on screen, from the stage, and at the microphone. She is honored and blessed to be in a forever partnership with her talented writer husband, Sean. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. I've been wanting to have you on the show since before I started the show. Yay. <laughs> Yay. 
Yay! But between the two of us, you and I have been moving all over. And between you and I and both of our husbands, we've been doing so many different things. So why don't you give us kind of the quick, um, what is life like? I mean, I know what my life is like with two creatives. So you and Sean, both in the entertainment industry, this lifelong career together. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's almost 23 years together now. Um, So we met in a theater in Seattle. I'm from California. He's from New York, but we met up in that little corner. And um, so, yeah, he was a managing director at the time, but then starting to write more and more. And I was a stage actress primarily and actually discovered the voiceover world while I was in Seattle doing um, uh, recorded phone um, messages for the theater company. And then for a series of... uh, uh, thrift stores called Value Village for great gift <laughs> ideas. Check out the housewares department. Um, so <laughs> sounds <yeah>. great. <laughs> That's our world, and it's nice because he's a writer and I'm an actor, so our depression cycles aren't the same because um, <laughs> artists have them. They have them. We have to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we complement each other, but it definitely has been an adventure. We went to LA, then Virginia for five years. Now we're in just south of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, Not having kids makes it a little easier to travel, um, but having 48 nieces and nephews gives us places to visit all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know, right? (laughs) Please, everyone, pick a state so we can see all of them. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that's fabulous. Well, I don't know if you heard uh, the beginning part of the interview that I did with Sean last week where I, you know, kind of introduced it, but I was like, I love Sean Gaffney. He's the best. And I don't know, I don't want to choose, but if I had to choose, I might say, I don't know. I love Catherine Gaffney. She's the best. (laughs) Well, we have a simpatico. (laughs) That is so true. So seriously, um, granted, uh, you are one of my dearest friends. I love you to pieces. I love you both. Um, but I am 100% all about how you two are such brilliant entertainment and uh, entertainment professionals who teach and do your work in such a um, enthusiastic, but also like seriously uh, all about the quality kind of way. And, and I I really admire that about you. Now, um, you've taken all kinds of gla- uh, classes. You've recently got your degree. You've also done uh, at least some teaching. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me more about how do you look at your work through the lens of how can I do the best job I can today? Yeah, uh, I think... I mean, part of it is insecurity <laughs> because yeah. I know that I don't know everything. So I'm constantly taking classes. I'm going to Nashville this weekend to take um, a voiceover workshop two days with this amazing uh, woman, Maurice Tobias. Um, And that's on self-direction because the industry also changes. Um, You know, it used to be for you, get a publisher, but now you can self-publish. For me, it used to be I'd go to a studio or an agency and now I just built my own booth. Well, I didn't. A very good man with a hammer did. But um, (laughs) so I need to be confident doing self-direction without being too self-critical and yet know where I need to still improve. So I think as an artist who knows that they aren't there yet, um, I'm constantly trying to figure out what I don't know and then helping those people who are just beginning go, oh, like I have a two-page list of voiceover resources that I'll send to anybody who's interested. And that's free stuff on the web, movies, uh, the I Know That Voice uh, movie to just watch and learn about the industry. Um, And some people call it like, you know, holding, uh, bringing somebody up the ladder with you. I like, I would rather catapult them, you know, send them to the spheres and then they can hire me. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, I like it. (laughs) And Sean and I, Sean and I are also both really collaborative. Um, And and that's what I love. I think that's why theater was our first um, world because you put in so many pieces and it's not one plus one. You know, it's like one times one, which is actually less. Okay, no, um, <laughs> that's a different analogy, but it's a multiplication <laughs> effect um, yeah, yeah. where the product's even better. So you, you end up with synergy more than what you started with. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Now, I just wanted to say for anybody who is listening only to the audio, part of the reason why Catherine's audio sounds so awesome is because she's in her own studio. But also, if you are watching on YouTube, you see Catherine's new studio. Yay! Yay. I'm so excited. It's a double-walled booth with a... Acoustic treatment, um, my new Audio Technica 4033 mic, um, mm-hmm. my new interface, and then I got a webcam so I can, I don't know, um, not feel so alone in here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I had a friend who was doing some, um, uh, she was narrating one of her own books and she decided that just for, I don't know if she was, did it for a lark at first, but anyway, she's like, okay, so I'm going to do it on Facebook Live so you can watch me work. Wow. I know, right? And so she would make a mistake and start over and just sort of try to pretend that her phone wasn't right there, you know? But I was like, okay, that actually really appeals to me as someone who really does like to be like in the spotlight, interacting with people. (laughs) You would see a lot of very crazy things from me because right now the book I'm doing is an Appalachian woman talking to a man from London and the romance that ensues. But Oh, I'll be like, wait, what accent am I doing? And uh, it's crazy. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, so um, you and I actually have a professional relationship together. You are my audiobook narrator for my two books that are in audio. Yay! <laughs> so you did Little Miss Lovesick and you did Unexpected Superhero. They were um, similar in as much as I tend to write a romantic comedy sort of vibe, but otherwise one of them was pretty much chiclet and the other one was uh, romantic comedy slash superhero action urban fantasy-ish. <laughs> <laughs> slash, slash, slash. genres. <laughs> yes. So tell us what you're, and now you're doing one with an Appalachian main character and a British main character. So yeah. Kind of just start wherever you like. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to be on that side of the mic so that authors listening, just because it's interesting, we want to know. And also because it might give us some ideas of, oh, that's why this takes so long or that's so expensive, <laughs> this is so hard. Or Yeah. Um, first thing I do is I'll read the manuscript um, and I will start making notes about characters. So I'm trying to think if I have my notes. Well, I have my Little Miss Lovesick notes, which I ended up color coding. Um, so every single character and I have, a, you know, their appearance. If the if you talk about what they look like, um, you and I came up with a prototype. So, oh, that's like the Apple guy or that's like the Diet Coke guy or um, personality description. um, uh, And then the highlight color, which I use on my iPad to tell them all apart. Um, Because you might get to page 200 and it'll say, with his typical Irish brogue. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't know this from the beginning. So you really want to do that right. first read and get all of those details down and and try and figure that out. And then I'll also go through and do a page count for each chapter. Um, so I know roughly, okay, if I'm doing seven pages and it took me 31 minutes, 40 seconds yesterday, then my nine minute or nine page chapter is going to be, you know, similar with a little more tomorrow. Um, yeah. And then I'll start tracking all of that. So I, I'm an organized, creative split brain like you are, um, yeah. which there aren't too many of us, but the audiobook world is perfect because I can make <laughs> charts and colors and highlights and, um, and then I can go be creative in the booth and fall in love with these characters, which I especially did with Little Miss Lovesick. Um, and Thank you. <laughs> yes, just the, the people in her head and her world and the way she looked at things and that whole swoony thing. Um, I'm finding myself revisiting it now in this book and going, oh, yeah, I like this. <laughs> and um, this is not me patting myself on the back, but I'm simply pointing out this is part of what works for a narrator. When they find a book that they've done a really good job on, and then somebody else listens to the five-minute sample, another author. Yes, that helped me get my current job Um, (laughs) because she wanted that the thoughts in her head. um, And in fact, I just did a a re-record just to get the main character's voice um, more right on. And she's like, I love it when you're in her head. Um, So something about me (laughs) when I talk in somebody's head. Head, there's something to that. And she could directly listen to that in Little Miss Lovesick. And a little bit of the wry um, 
I don't know, self-deprecating um, kind of things comes out in that book too. So I love, I love heroines like that. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Okay. So um, I am trying to figure out like what questions that I could ask you that would be most helpful for authors. Unless did you have any ideas of things you wanted to share? Um, no, I mean, a good communication line is, is great. Um, you and I knew each other. So I think that we were even more in depth because <laughs> um, yeah. I could get into side, inside your head. And like, um, I even asked you if you cast if you were to cast a movie of your book, who would you cast? And so I did like a little chart of characters. That um, is so cute. <laughs> and I matched them with the highlight. And our friend Jennifer, um, it was fun because we knew her from church. And we could say, oh, I want this character to be like that. I wasn't yeah. Im- it wasn't like I was imitating them, but I could look at them on my clipboard or um, uh, board on my wall and go, okay, this is the attitude or even posture. Because sometimes just the change in posture in the booth is going to change your delivery. And uh, I don't want to move so much that I'm making noise in here. So sometimes I'll just do the tiniest little uh, movement to hold somebody differently. Um, So that was fun to get inside your head a little bit more and and go, oh, who are these characters? What would they be like? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that that was nice. Um, And And that's what authors do. Lots of authors oh, yeah? have parts similar to that. Yeah, pictures of actors or just random people on the web or... <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. I also had my favorite pictures of you guys. Um, Aww. <laughs> I know, because it made me go, okay, this is a love story. It's ultimately about you guys' personality and that, that right. helps yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you've done some of the other books, the things that aren't romancy, um, like what is your, how do you get your mind into like these different, I don't know, moods or? Yeah. So you and I working together was incredibly unique and ACX um, yeah. kind of allows that portal for uh, producers, the talent slash production side to match with the um, rights holder and author side. Um, When I did the first three books that I'd ever done at Dion Audio out in Los Angeles, um, they were matching my sound demo type to certain genres that came in. And one of my favorites that I did was a nonfiction um, called Remembering the Music, Forgetting the Words. And that was a woman's kind of journey through her mom's dementia. So I did the same kind of read through, um, identify characters, uh, look at types, um, but I didn't have a chance to talk to the author because I was doing it with a production house. Um, And so I kind of prayed that I would be able to get into their mindset. Training as an actor lets you do that, kind of step into the skin. Um, And since then, we've been able to be Facebook friends and uh, converse and that's another one of my absolute, absolute favorite books, just because I I felt like, I don't know, I could understand her. It was in the writing. Um, I could take that journey with her. Um, Yeah. yeah. And my, my engineer was like this dude from New Jersey. And he's like, yeah, (laughs) I I, I admit I, I teared up a little bit. Um, (laughs) And that's a totally different thing. Like, you know, you're working with an outside director and engineer and they can be proofing you and fixing your words and having you do pickups later versus now I'm in my own booth. Um, but I will send it out to an editor to have it fine, fine tuned. Cause you just can't listen to your own mistakes and hear them. Yeah. All. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk about ACX for a second. So, yeah. um, Amazon ginormous company owns, uh, audible audiobook company and ACX, an audiobook production company. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you and I went through ACX, um, me as the rights holder, you as the producer to create the two books that we worked on for me. Exactly. And, um, and we learned a lot. So the good <laughs> news is, particularly if you're working with someone who, um, you know, is not the devil, you can learn a lot and just be like, okay, we learned a lot. If we do this again, we're going to do it differently. Or if I do this again with someone else, I may probably do some things differently. But some of the things that I thought would be useful to authors listening is, um, let's say that 
uh, let's say that I'm an author, I've got a book, I'm looking for a narrator, and I'm trying to weigh things, or I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I know if I should, um, you know, choose this kind of narrator or this kind of narrator? Um, do you have some, some ideas, you know, being on the other side of it, like what sorts of things would make you say, um, I would love to work with this one, or I'm not sure, I think I'll pass if they make me an offer? Um, yeah. There are classes for us, too, as narrators on identifying what books um, on ACX, because um, there's different models. So for payment, there's royalty share, um, which is rights holder and producer will split um, the royalties when they come in. Um, well, the piece of the royalties that Audible doesn't take. Um, yeah. And then there's a hybrid deal where the um, producer or rights holder can pay for say the editing and proofing and then the rest is royalty share or there's per finished hour now when i worked with dion audio and in a lot of the professional production houses when you're working for a a publisher it's going to be per finished hour now that's not per working hour yeah (laughs) um even in a professional studio it's often two hours of recording time not to mention your research time beforehand per finished hour and you only get paid per finished hour um So uh, a lot of the deals on ACX are royalty share because it's people who are self-publishing like you, um, and we're going to figure out things as we go. Um, So for that, we often look at sales ranking on Amazon, as lame as that is, but that helps us know, is there going to be a royalty (laughs) coming in? Are people interested in this? Um, The authors, their web presence, um, are they actively marketing? and then for the copy itself, it sounds so simple, but are there misspellings? Because <laughs> then I know, does, that, does this person care uh, with the, the manuscript that they're putting forward? Um, or is it just, oh, I'm, I'm running this off to get it, you know, a quick buck, um, yeah. which really doesn't exist out there. So don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like, you know, this last one, I think I did maybe an nine minute sample for the audition, which even she said later, she's like, oh, I probably gave you way too much um, copy. Um, She felt like she could have known in about five minutes. Um, But the narrator also doesn't have to read all of that. They can just read a section and give you an idea. The audition sample, if you have different characters, like your two lead um, romantic leads, if if it's chiclet or something uh if you can have a sample that has those two in dialogue right that is going to be a big test for your narrator and that's what you want to hear don't just give them oh this is my opening you know paragraphs right because that's often just exposition so how is that going to be different from nonfiction? you know pick those things that make your book unique Um, um just like we do with theater auditions we're not usually um, doing a monologue from the very beginning. We're doing it from the crisis point where things are heating up and, and stakes are high. Um, yeah. so you can see what, what's going on. Um, and with this book I'm doing now, it has dialects. So she clearly wanted to see, could I do British and could I do Appalachian? Um, though we're toning down the Appalachian now with the main character, but when we get to meet her family, especially <laughs> her daddy, her daddy is in the South. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll get there. Nice. Okay. So let me think. Um, I got I got caught up in your dialogue, dialogue <laughs> and I was like, what was the question I was going to ask? But um, so one of the things um, that my guess is that would help a narrator. Um, from the narrator's side to know whether or not this is a project they wanted to do. So for instance, let's um, try to pick on me a little bit. In uh, Unexpected Superhero, I have six main (laughs) characters plus side characters. I don't even know how many I had, but when you told me how many there were, I was like, holy cow, I had no idea. (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah, it's a different medium. So. It totally works in my head, but you're like, excuse me, uh, you want me to have a voice, a specific different voice for every one of these, what? <laughs> yeah, and I think there is, I actually use it now in a class that I teach on intro to voiceover because I show different <laughs> genres. There's so many genres of voiceover, but I show audiobook and I show a highlighted page of Unexpected Superhero because I think at least six, if not eight of them are talking 
on the same page. Um, it, it was a crazy battle scene. And, and so then also like, oh, there's shots fired and they're running around a building, but then this guy comes out and, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, so, and I find that narrators don't realize that. I'll say, oh, I just counted that there's 26 characters in your book. There are? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So um, if an author was trying to really be clear that like this, these are things that you will find in my book, you would want to have main characters. And if you do have regular bouts of lots of characters on the page, which Unexpected Superhero does, there's only one or maybe two times I can think of that Little Miss Lovesick had a whole bunch of characters on the page. One was the first chapter. But most of the time, it was two, three, four people maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, like in the chapter, in the whole chapter. Uh huh. So if a, if an author wanted to try to be, uh, to, to help show a realistic view of their book, then they probably want to pick a few th- things. I know that. Um, okay, here's me trying to ask a question. Okay. So uh, so so on the one hand, there might be a scene where you've got a whole bunch of people, and that is representative of your of your book. You have a whole bunch of people on the page a lot, like maybe for urban fantasy. Um, or there might be a scene that has uh, actual sexual content where somebody's going to yeah. have to read things out loud that I I turn the page and don't even read them on the page, yeah. most, mostly. Not because I'm embarrassed, but because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know what sex is about. I just want to get back to <laughs> But um, so what are some of the things that you might suggest? Because I know occasionally I'll I'll hear about a narrator who was like, okay, you never told me that there was like 700 F-bombs or this or this because it wasn't part of the... um, There's so many things that I'm like trying to give you an opportunity to answer questions. Let me stop for a minute. No, that's okay. (laughs) How many questions do I have now? Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Um, So in the description, you know, you can say if there's explicit stuff um, that helps um, experienced narrators. um, Well, let me just say, if a narrator asks for the, like a PDF or a Word doc of your um, uh, thing to go through, don't be offended. Like, oh, why are they asking for the whole thing? Why is it my sample enough? But often it's so that I can do a control F and find certain words and phrases. Um, And I did that with a book um, early on in my career. It was some supernatural erotica mystery. um, And it was just a little bit more intense than I wanted to go because audiobook narrators are very uh, intimate. So I am whispering things into your ears. You know, I mean... Your books had lovely sex scenes um, or sexy scenes, um, but, you know, I, they didn't make me uncomfortable. I'm a married woman. I understand this thing, but some, some of it is just too much. And you'll get different narrators. I mean, erotica is a huge genre on ACX. Sometimes it feels like there's at least 70% of the titles under that um, wow. uh, yeah, heading. Um, but... It, you know, if a narrator, if that isn't their thing, they're not going to audition for those titles. But if your book is under another title, urban fantasy, chick lit, um, historical romance, and it has those elements, yeah, you might want to let people know or just totally be open to, you know, I'm interested in you. Would you like to read the entire script before saying yes? Um, Because sometimes we want to rush to, let's just make an offer and get the first 15 in really fast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. So basically, um, without using something that sounds negative, like buyer beware, what we are saying is there are a lot of things to consider on both sides. Oh yeah. It's a match. I mean, ACX is like the restaurant where we both can blind date. Um, and sometimes <laughs> it's speed dating, you know, cause an, a narrator is looking for work. Um, and so they might be going through a whole bunch of titles and, and sending in auditions, um, but it might not be the right match. And that's okay. Um, yeah. On both sides, it's okay to say no, because if there's something that, you know, I feel like I, I couldn't do, you know, if it was, I don't know, Turkish accent, talking to a Russian uh, spy, <laughs> you know, I don't feel like I could give that 100%. Um, and so I'm going to say no so that they get a better product from somebody who does do that. Um, yeah. You know, I want, 
I want good product out there, no matter who does it. And I'd like to be proud of of what you get to put out as an author, as well as me as a narrator. So I'm going to stick in my wheelhouse. And then, I, of course, I take training all the time to expand that wheelhouse. But I know what I can do. And I've got yeah. the warm, welcoming, cute, wry thing. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that um, in the same way that authors get a following because people love the way that they develop a story and the way that they, so the sound of it in a, in a different and yet even uh, more extreme manner, people also follow narrators because they just love the sound of the narrator's voice and the narrator seems to pick things that they also enjoy listening to. Yes. Yes. Um, People will repeatedly, you know, check out a Scott Brick a narration um, because of his amazing work. Now he expands his genres. They're not all the same, but you know what you like, oh, I'm going to get amazing quality here. Jim Dale, goodness, he's, he's did the Harry Potter series, yeah. um, which whew, all of those characters, amazing. But sometimes I'll see his name on something else. I'm like, oh, I want to check that out. Um, David Tennant, I could listen to doing anything. Um, David Tennant has done audio. Now I want to like go. Oh, yeah. Sean listened to In Her Majesty's Secret Service, the James Bond, um, which he liked Ooh. the book even more than the movie. But yeah. Yeah. And he's got a bunch of titles, but check it out on Audible or Amazon. Just look for the narrator's name. Yeah. Totally doing it now. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) after we hang up. (laughs) And and if if readers or narrators are out there um, going, oh, well, who do I listen to to go? This is the gold standard. There's an award um, each year called the Audis, A-U-D-I-E-S. And it's kind of like the Academy Awards, but for audiobooks or the Tonys. Um, and so you can see new narrators. Now, there's a lot of celebrities nominated this year. Um, but, you know, it's okay. You're going to dig through and you're going to see those others uh, in there that you're like, oh, I've never heard of this name. But obviously, they're being recognized by their peers and by the Audiobook Publishing Association. Yeah. And then there's no reason not to think that um, you could get somebody amazing like that. The point is, is that you just have to keep in mind, um, just like with anything else in life, the more something is, um, you know, supply and demand. So the more demand somebody is in, the more they're going to cost, right? Exactly. And there's even in SAG after the union kind of a, okay, if an author has done this many books, their minimum is this much. Um, And so, you know, the low end is usually 200 per finished hour. Um, So you go, okay, do I have 2000 to put away for this book? Um, And and thinking of that in advance, if you want to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And keeping in mind, once again, coming back around to, um, you know, I had uh, Will uh, Degas on from Find Away Voices a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I want to listen to that. Yeah, he's so fun to listen to. <laughs> and he was saying a couple of things about Find Away Voices. One, they don't do the royalty share because they just don't think that it's a good idea for the author or the narrator. Too often, somebody or both somebody's are not getting a good deal out of it. Um, but uh, and. Man, this is so ridiculous. You know, it has to be late at night for me to talk to somebody in the United States. And today is one of those days where I'm like, I have no idea where I was going with that question. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're going to get a different caliber because a lot of people starting out in voiceover will discover ACX and realize, oh, it's a good place to practice and royalty share. um, You're going to find a lot of those beginners. Um, So if you want somebody with um, a bigger resume, a greater track record, hundreds of books, um, you you may have to, you know, up your price or um, go through a a publishing house or a production company that's doing um, books, those kind of things. Right. That's what I was going to say about Will. So, okay. so they don't, they're not a audiobook publisher. They're a distributing partner. Um, that's, uh, he, he called it something like that. I'm like, you're, you're a distributor kind of, right? Like an aggregator. He's like, well, we consider ourselves more of a partner because we try to work with all the different sides. But he sure. said that when they, when they help, if you come to them and you don't already have a completed audiobook, and so they're helping you to find the right narrator. He's like, we consider it like helping you to find a good dating relationship. Yes. So it was similar to what you said. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And you know, if you're not a match with this person, that's okay. And you might even think, oh, I just met this guy that you'd be great for. 
you know, so it's the connections. And yeah. back to the beginning of our conversation, that's what Sean and I love is connecting people like, oh, you have a good idea for a movie. Oh, uh, you want to do voiceover? Why don't you talk to this person? I mean, there's enough jobs for all of us. <laughs> right, right. And so it's another reason to take your time and relax and don't feel like you have to hurry because audiobooks are going to become super duper popular in 2019. You've got to get yours out there so that you can make some money because if you spend two or $3,000 doing your audiobook and then later you're like, I don't really like it that much, but now this is the one I bought and in order to do it again, I need to hire somebody else and pay them another few thousand dollars. Yeah. That that's that's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure you want to make sure you're getting the quality. And the the first 15 minutes, um, ACX has you put up, like mine is due tomorrow for this book I'm working on now. And that's really the moment to go, ah, I need this note or this kind of direction. Cause after that, the narrator is kind of going to go with their interpretation. That's what we've been trained to do is interpret characters. And, you know, you can correct mistaken words or things like that afterwards. But as far as interpretation and voices of characters, you really want to listen to that first 15 and make sure you either make suggestions to re-record or fix or go, okay, yeah, that really is what I want. And I trust you to make it happen now for the rest of the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. So interpretation, that's something else. Let's talk about this for one second. I'm thinking about when I worked in the film industry, for the most part, an actor is getting a script and everything that there is to know about the character is on that page. And everything else is either going to come up in meetings as they're going through table reads and that sort of thing. um, Or it's going to be things that the actor is thinking, well, if it's the kind of person who says this and does this, then I'm going to guess like this and this, and they're kind of creating their own bio, right? Is that how it can work for you as an actor? Yeah, I call it creating a backstory. Okay. So I know that one of the things that bothers um, some of the particularly self-published authors out there who they're the ones who are, you know, uh, creating their work and then hiring other people to like, they're, they're kind of in charge of their little empire. And sometimes the fact that you're in charge of your empire because everything falls back on you and you're the, the buck stops here guy, um, girl, uh, (laughs) then it, it, it makes us just a little fanatical about every single little detail. So I'm wondering, would it be more helpful for an author to say, here's a character bio, a little character study of how I interpret my character and therefore more information for you so that as you do your interpretation, it matches mine more and we both like it better in the end. Is that a thing or could it be a thing? I don't know. That's a great question. And I might go on to some of my Facebook groups of other authors or narrators and and look. I would think that the more information you give um, a narrator coming in um, is is great. Like, you know, we had the prototypes um, and things like that. Um, Or, you know, I say in my book that he's Italian, but I I really mean that he grew up in Switzerland and, you know, like, um, so that you're like, oh, I want him to be more suave um, and, and less, I don't know, um, more uh, country or, you know, wherever he's from, wherever uh, the dialect or, or nationality is. Um, I think backstory can certainly help. Um, information, you know, definitions, uh, phonetic spellings of words, right. phonetic spellings of names. <laughs> yeah. I did a book that was a sequel and was told by the publisher the main character's name was pronounced a certain way. And the other book had it pronounced a different way. But I hadn't listened oh, to that because no. I had to go do this. And um, yeah. so things like that happen. But if you can provide any of that as the author ahead of time, now, the only place I cringe in your question is making sure we match uh-huh. <laughs> because we might not. You know, your yeah. backstory, again, you're working with, um, you're painting with words and we get to start painting with intention through our mm-hmm. voice. Um, and so it might not line up exactly, but hopefully it'll be really close. And again, in that first 15, you can tell you know, if somebody's doing an action adventure kind of read or really <laughs> announcery or just making it so intimate that 
I don't think anybody is going to stay awake, you know, or, or whatever. So you can kind of get yeah. an idea on the drive of the story, um, which number one, hopefully you've picked a narrator that you liked their sound and their interpretation yeah. to begin with, with the audition. But then with that first 15, are we on the same page as we're driving the car? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I love your movie analogy because often the author isn't anywhere near the set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, as a writer, unless you're in TV, you have no power. Um, <laughs> sorry, writers. <laughs> My yeah. husband's one of them, so he understands. Um, so things are going to happen, but hopefully, yeah, you've trusted going, oh, I, I'm going to hire somebody uh, with experience. So you narrators, you can check. I mean, you writers can check out us narrators too. I mean, you can do research on us just like we're doing on your Amazon page. I'm looking at your reviews of your books um, right. along yeah. with your sales rating. You can look at our web pages. You can Google me. Um, you can see a lot of uh, voice actors have testimonials on their site. Um, yeah. So yeah, you want to figure out okay, what's the history of this person I'm dating? Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they sound good, but are they a serial killer? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the analogy yeah. holds up. Yeah. And I think it's part of my personality that um, whenever I see any two groups or even just two individuals um, start looking like things are going into an us versus them sort of yes. group, scenario. And a couple of years ago, when all of a sudden audiobooks were hot, hurry up and get your audiobook up. Um, and it just seemed like there were so many angry people and it just made me so sad. So part of the reason why I wanted to interview you was because I wanted to give, um, you know, it's probably mostly authors who are listening to this podcast. Um, but Hi, I wanted authors. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to give people an idea of, um, of where they can tweak their expectations or tweak how they imagine the process would go. For instance, um, for all the people who are like, but these are my words and I already set them down a certain way and I, I don't want them to be a different way. That's why I'm paying somebody to do it the way I want them. Let's look at it from a different way. Give me an example from your, from your own world, your own work, or um, somebody that you've listened to of something where you're like, okay, this is how the narrator probably did it a little bit differently than maybe the author might have been directing them to, because that's not a relationship that um, really works in this, in this scenario. Um, and the interpreted audiobook actually was wonderful. It was, you know, because um, I just saw uh, Alita Battle Angel, and somebody was saying, you know, originally this was manga, and now we made it into a film. And so, you know, Anybody who's read the manga will be comparing that to how the film turned out. Right. And it's the same kind of relationship when we're trying to figure out, well, how do I choose an audiobook narrator who gives me, you know, exactly what I want to be paying for? But what if there is another way to look at it? Like, they're going to give you another beautiful, hopefully better idea of your story. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, well, I'm staring at a note right here that um, you gave me um, that says it's oh. perfect, freaking perfect. I love it. So this, is, this note is at least four years old, but I keep it yeah. right in front of me because I, I doubt that too. I want to give you what's in your head. Um, so I'm trying to, I can't think of one from a, a book right now because I don't know what was yeah. in the author's head, you know, and then listen sure. to it. But I can say like, I just read in a moment, I was like, no, 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 I I don't want to fall for this guy again. Whereas it, it could have been interpreted like, no, 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 I am not going to fall for him again. Like Those right. can be both viable. And I think for you, when you're listening, again, find that critical moment um, that you're like, if the, if the narrator, when they're auditioning for this section, if I hear what's in my own head or better, um, then I know that that's what I've got going on. You know, it's like, yes, this is it. Or no, that doesn't quite do it. And sometimes, you you know, you can ask for another sample, um, yeah. but you, you don't want to tie up that whole process so much. Right. You know, um, I, I think that if you put the right selection for your audition, you're going to hear something and then you're going to hear that first 15 um, and go, okay, this is, this is definitely going 
where I need it to go, but allow for the no, no, no versus no, no, no. You know, I'm going to read into it and hopefully bring my life experience, um, which is coupled with what I think you're trying to say. Um, So it's going to morph a little bit and the colors are going to be a little bit different, but hopefully we're going to stay in the same color family. So I think that that's maybe a way of thinking of it. It's like, oh, am I I hearing a warm read? Am I hearing a cool read? You know, um, and if I'm miles apart in the audition or in the first 15, we need to make some changes or go with a different narrator. But if we're if we're coming together and it's shades of warm, yeah, don't get uh, nothing will drive an audiobook narrator crazier than an, a really, 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 really picky. Like, um, I think that you need to be two seconds between the first two no's instead of three <laughs> seconds. Um, don't yes. do that. Yeah, that'll make it a very long process for an 11 and a half hour book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think that you said something very, very key that I'd oh. like to just re- <laughs> reiterate for people. What if there was one scene that's about five minutes worth of, of reading out loud? So I don't know how many pages that is. You probably have a better idea. Um, uh, five minutes, I don't know, seven or eight pages? Uh, yeah. Okay. What if out of my... I mean, it depends on the page length. Sure, sure. So what if out of my 70,000-word novel or my 100,000-word novel, I could find five to eight pages-ish that this is the key sound. This, this is the key to the story. Maybe it's the crisis or the climax. This is the part that's got to sound exactly right, and then everything else is going to come together. That's the part, then, that should be the audition. Why not? Yeah, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know the the back end of uh, ACX for narrators, but I wonder if you could even put here's, you know, half a page introing the characters, and here's a page and a half of them, you know, in in conversation at that heated moment. Can you can you clip, you know, for an audition yeah. sample? Here are two things. I don't know why not. Uh, right. We do that in theater auditions. They have us do a cold read at our callbacks. Like, here's something, you know, from the romantic uh, section, and here's something when you're fighting. You know, can you right. can you go to those emotional places? Um, and I don't know on the time because, like, I just did seven pages and it was thirty minutes. So um, <laughs> I think that you might oh. read much faster. So there's a right. word count. Um, on, I think, Edge Studios, you can look at Word Calculator, and you can actually figure out how many words you have, and then multiply that out. I think it's usually three words a second, but um, uh, you can see your average word count, depending if you're speaking really fast, which I'm doing in this interview, and I try to talk a little bit more clearly on an audiobook. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, the difference between an audiobook that's very um, quiet, interior, intimate oh, yeah. versus an action thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is wonderful. This is so helpful. I'm sure that people are going to get a lot out of it. I so appreciate you sharing with us because I really oh. do part of the thing that I want to do in my life is to help people and to help people to come together and be at a place where they're not in an us versus them crisis relationship, but yes, they, they can more find a way to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is, I, I think, yeah, I'm just really happy with you always. Oh, you know, and I think knowing that we need each other, like, you know what I mean? I need words to interpret. Um, that's, I married a writer. <laughs> um, you guys need an interpreter uh, to bring your words to life. And yeah, this is a different medium. And sometimes writers think, oh, I'm just writing it to be read internally. But like, yeah. oh, what if it was read externally? Um, yeah. Where does the tension come in? Where does the the sweet moments? Where do they fall? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about what you said about Jim Dale and the Harry Potter books, you know, which he's just brilliant. And my, my favorite uh, series, because I've read more of them, I think I've read, or that is um, listened to, <laughs> it's so easy to say read. I've listened to the first eight books in the Jim Butcher, uh, Justin Files series. I've read through book 
13 or so. Uh, but re- I mean, uh, sort, of, sort of reread them by listening to the first eight. And um, all but one of them, I think, and his name is escaping me, but it's the actor who played uh, the, the bad guy in Buffy with the spiked hair. Spiked James Marsden? James Marsden. I adore him. I adore him. I'm going to listen to him. Right? So Amazing. then I'm thinking, okay, wait, I adore listening to Jim, uh, James Marsden read Harry Potter, sorry, <laughs> Harry Dresden books to me, even though he probably doesn't read them the same way I read them in my head when I actually read the book. Exactly. Okay. So what we're looking for then is if you're feeling to yourself when you're listening to the narrator's sample, this isn't, this isn't giving me any kind of tingles or giggles or anything, then you probably should just maybe keep on listening to yeah. more auditions. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. There's no obligation. Um, we audition. That's our life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really, really is. Um, and at somewhere it's going to hit. Yeah. All right. You know what? I like that. That's a very positive thought. I think we should end on this positive okay. thought. Yay. <laughs> so you can be my James Marsden. Oh my gosh, how swoony. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <I know, right? laughs> uh, Catherine, okay, this is brilliant. I want everybody to go and hire you if they have anything that comes into your voice. Uh, what did you call it? Wheelhouse. There so you go. Where can, <laughs> where can people find you online? Uh, I do have a website, Catherine with a C, Gaffney, which two F's in the middle, like French fry, G-A-F-F-N-E-Y. So CatherineGaffney.com. Um, and then I've got five titles up on Audible. So you can search for Catherine Gaffney there. But um, yeah, or find me here through Kitty. Um, and if you have questions, maybe it would be enough to do another interview and answer some of those. And I could get some narrators to chime in. I like it. Let's work on that. All right, okay. audience, send us your questions and we will work on doing another interview that's an answering questions interview. I love that. <laughs> See, that's why, that's why I love you because you're brilliant. Yay! <laughs> this has been Catherine Gaffney in a collaboration interview with the amazing Kitty Buholtz. I so want that just to be the end of the interview, <laughs> but that would be just a little too like, I'm so awesome. <laughs> Instead, let me say you're so awesome and I'm totally thrilled that you came on the show. Thank you, Catherine. Me too. Good night. <laughs> 